Hi, I'm Dennis, and welcome back one more time to the Serious Shift Blogcast. Now with curtains. Um, it is, this is a blog about getting people's attention and having those people find more people whose attention you are worthy of, okay? This blog is called The Seven Questions I Wish You'd Ask Me. And if you're thinking, geez, I've heard you reference that, it's true. I reference this blog in almost every talk that I ever share. So note that this blog is not called the seven questions I get all the time. I like you enough to spare you from that. This is the seven questions that I sometimes get, but I wish I got all the time. And my question for you is, are you asking the right questions? And are you asking enough questions to lead you to the discovery that you need to make um, a serious shift, a positive change in your life and business? Get some traction going for you. So these are the seven questions. I hope you enjoy them. I certainly do appreciate your, your attention today. Thank you. Here we go. Question one. Can I over-communicate with clients? Um, the short answer is it depends what you tweet. A <laughs> question. That answer gets funnier and funnier to me every day um, as the days go by. The answer is that's not really the right question. The right question isn't are you over-communicating? The right question is, is what you are sharing relevant enough? Let me give you an example. If you asked a passionate Boston Red Sox fan who hears from his team or her team several times a day in one way or another, if they feel the Boston Red Sox over-communicate with them, they are going to say no, because they are a passionate Boston Red Sox fan, correct? Okay, if the Boston Red Sox communicated with that client in such a way every day where they just blasted them 10 times a day saying, buy tickets, buy tickets, buy tickets, that answer would probably change. So the question isn't, um, am I over-communicating? The question is, what are you communicating? Is it relevant? Do people like it? Does it resonate? And do they feel compelled to share it? Question two, what should I do to get people's attention? Okay, I'm sorry to do this to you twice in a row. That's not the right question either. <laughs> the better question is, the people whose attention you want to get what do they want to talk about? Okay, what do they want to talk about? Um, one thing that every successful business owner has in common is they have something that other people want to talk about. Okay, and it's not just, it's never rarely what they do. It's usually how they do it or what the story is around that product. The story is what the customer relates with it's the stories that we share that help us connect with each other and things around the world. So keep that in mind, okay? Great businesses have something that people want to talk about. And often that something they have isn't a thing. It's a way. It's how they do it. Question three. How do I figure this out? So, for instance, um, you know, I might, I might share those two answers with someone at the back of the room after I talk. And they might say, okay, so... I want to work with small business owners or I want to work with something, some demographic. And often my audience are advisors, but it applies to every business in the world. Let's say I believe you. How do I figure it out? How do I figure out what these people want to talk about? How do I figure out what they find relevant? And here it is. Okay, so you have easy answer. Stop thinking about ordinary people and start thinking about the people who care. Boil your audience down to the smallest group of people that you can identify as having something in common 
and make it just for them. Okay, people who care, appreciate it, love it, they're passionate about it, and they share it with other people just like them. Whereas if you make ordinary stuff for the masses, and you think to yourself, oh, and later, once I know you all, I'll narrow it down just for you, that's a mistake. It, you'll, if you make ordinary stuff, you don't appeal to anybody. And that's just the way it is. It has to be fantastic and amazing. And the way that you figure that out is by zeroing in and looking at the smallest a uh, group of people within your audience and make something just for them. I make everything I make is for people who financial advisors specifically who want to change other people's lives and not just make them wealthier. That's everything that we do is for that person. And you might think, well, geez, that's not what I'm about, but I'm watching your blog. It's like, yeah, my friend, you're along for the ride and I'm delighted to have you. But this message is meant for somebody who thinks, about innovating and staging experiences that lead to guided transformation. I write stuff that gets them excited. We gotta move along here. Number four, what's the biggest mistake I'm probably making? That's my favorite one, little secret for you. It's believing that spending a whole bunch of money to get attention is worth it. You're stuck on giant numbers, okay? You're, you're overlooking the power of ones and twos and threes. You're overlooking the nuclear power of 10 by getting faked out still and thinking like a salesperson who sells commoditized goods and services. You're thinking in big numbers instead of recognizing how powerful one or two um, people can be who are who you have a, a connection with and you resonate with and they share. Let me Let me back this up with a real world example. A million years ago in another life, I worked at a, at a kids camp, at a canoe camp called Kiwaden. And it's the oldest kids camp in North America. It has this fantastic story and this really old, you know, established alumni with deep roots and a lot of affection and love for the place, etc. We also had, at the time, and this is maybe 15 years ago, probably, we had a very famous alumni, alumnus? Uh, named Michael Eisner, who, of course, you know, ran Disney. And he wrote a book about his life called Camp. And the point of his book was that everybody always asks him what made him successful, all of your education, your experience, your work, and blah, blah, blah. And for him, it's like, no, it all goes back to when I was working at Kiwaden Camp. Okay? That, that was it. People ask, I tell them it's my camp life. Okay. Michael Eisner... Came and visited that summer. He was a nice enough fella. He was kind of an engaging guy, etc. if I remember correctly. And, um, <clears throat> and then he went on tour. He went on the Larry King show, the Tonight Show, every daytime talk show talking about his book. Okay? We got one camper out of it. And it was probably worth $100 million in advertising. I'm not even exaggerating. The guy, how much do you pay... Larry King or you know to talk about your your idea your book for for an hour how much do you pay the today show to have you on as their big go guest to talk all about your camp experience come on how much would you pay for that like who knows it's astronomical okay we got one camper out of it at the exact same time we did something else we ran our own recruiting as we always did we stopped going to camp shows we stopped broadcasting we stopped paying attention we stopped trying 
to convince ordinary people to come and see our extraordinary program. Forget it. Instead, we worked in groups of ones and twos, okay? And we did more events in the homes of people who were already convinced, parents of existing campers. So we had extraordinarily cool people hosting events to talk about our extraordinarily cool program to other extraordinarily cool people. That year, I can't quite remember the numbers, but we added, I can say safely, dozens of campers, and I hate to be so crass, but each camper is worth thousands of dollars, and we spent less, like 50% less than we had the year before to on recruiting. So we achieved like huge success and we spent 50% less. Contrast that with Mr. Eisner on every talk show host that would or talk show that would have him talking about our camp, he got us one camper. Okay? So what about your business? Are you overlooking the powers of ones and twos and lunches and small events that are cool and interesting? Yes, you are. I assure you it's been my job for a long time. Question 5. How do I seriously shift? That's a great question. Here it is. Accept that nobody cares about your business. They care about themselves, okay? Um, they, when I wear this t-shirt, this is a Sub Pop Records t-shirt I bought in the Seattle airport. I'm not making a statement about indie music, okay? When I wear this t-shirt, I'm making a statement about me, <laughs> okay? What you wanna do is you want to focus more on, you find your message that resonates and you focus more on your story. People want to know who you are and what you're about more than they want to know what you do, and that's a fact. Question six, is it necessary to connect with my clients on an emotional level? I don't know. <laughs> of course I do know. Are you a plumber? Actually, no, I take that back and I apologize to the plumbers of the world. The answer is 100% yes. Yes, you absolutely have to, because everybody has enough stuff and not enough meaning. And if you're a financial advisor and you're asking that question, the answer is yes. And what are the consequences if you don't? I think you'll be out of business. I think that connecting with your customers on an emotional level is what, there's like, there's two kinds of loyalty, right? There's the loyalty of fear, fear of loss. If I fire you and get somebody else, what's the hassle factor? And obligation. Uh I feel like I'm stuck with you. It'd be so much paperwork and hassle to do all this. Uh, I may as well just stick with the devil I, I know. And that's that works if you're a telephone company. That certainly seems to work, but it's horrible and it's not human or generous. So I wouldn't suggest that. I would say, in fact, what you want is you want to ensure that you connect with your clients on an emotional level because then the loyalty you have with them is connection and identity. You're two people that see the world the same way. That's what I'd like to have with you. I tune into this dentist guy because he shares some good insight. Plus, I know if I ended up in a conversation with him or in person with him or sitting there having lunch with him, I have a feeling I'd get along with the guy because he shares openly and generously and possibly too authentic, uh, authentically, such as I have trouble with the word authentically. Okay, question seven. Now what? Like, okay, I'm sold. I've heard these six questions. I've identified my problems. I love your curtains. Now what? What do I do? What do I do? I'm doing it wrong. There's no more denying it. What do I do? Immediately stop doing it the way you're doing it right now. Not at the end of the week, at the end of the quarter. We'll finish this year doing it this way and relaunch January 1 with our new way. 
Stop doing it wrong now. Next, start doing it <laughs> in a way that is more interesting and generous and authentic. Start doing that right away. Zero in on the smallest number of people possible that this will resonate with. Okay, think as small as you can. Niche, niche, weird, as I say all the time. Do it in such a way that is generous and real, that engages people, delights them, surprises them, and happily, or causes them to happily want to share it, because that's what people do. We share the good things we find. Having said all of that, thank you once again for your attention. And to those of you who do share this, thank you for that too. It means a lot to me. And it means a lot to everybody else, I think, too. So thank you all. Have a wonderful day. And as we say, may the shift be with you. Take care. I'll see you again in a couple of days. Cheers.